tweet at Today SOR. And again on tourism, we've got a text in from a listener saying the likes of Kinsale, Dingle, Lahinch, Kilkee and all the other tourist destinations that are telling people intending to visit to stay away better be very careful what they wish for. When this is all over, people may not be very quick to go back, says Tom. Ah, Tom, they're only looking after themselves and the people and they just don't want... Uh, the rules to be broken or they don't want uh, to, ris- to run the risk that uh, they will have COVID-19 in their midst and I'm sure, I'm certain indeed that the welcome will be there, it'll be long and broad and hearty in all of those places. Here's hoping anyway. Now a lot of people have noted the environmental message in recent months and years but they're at a loss as to where to start in their own home. There's so much information about how to be more environmentally friendly but sometimes it can all seem a bit overwhelming. Well now, the environmental scientist and policy advisor Dr Tara Shine has written a practical guide to changes you can make. It's called How to Save Your Planet One Object at a Time and I'm delighted to be joined from our Cork studio by Tara Shine. Good morning to you Dr Shine. Good morning, Sean. Uh, the thought that crossed my mind leafing through this book was you can run, but you cannot hide. It is so <laughs> practical. Uh, before we get into this business room by room, tell me about the overall premise of the book. It's, it's really about forming new habits, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about new habits and new, ri- new rituals and doing what we can, even right now when we're confined to our own homes. So I've spent over 20 years working on climate and sustainability policy at the international level with the UN, with the Mary Robinson Foundation Climate Justice. And, and so I really respect the, the power of those kind of international policies and decision making. But nevertheless, everybody always asks me, yeah, but what can I do? What can I do? What changes do I can I make in my home? Do I have any power in all? of this. And so I said about writing this book that um, would be based on the best research where I would read all the boring technical papers for you and boil down the science and the facts and then apply the practical side of my brain to helping you come up with things that you can do, things that are accessible to everybody to do in their own homes. And writing something based on everyday objects means it is accessible to everybody because this is everything from toilet roll to your TV and the pair of jeans hanging in your wardrobe to the plant pots in your garden shed. It's really, really practical. Yeah, and uh, look, let's just uh, do a whistle-stop tour of the house to give listeners an idea of where to begin. Uh, Start in the kitchen, a nice cup of tea or coffee. Yeah, so your your cup of tea, of course, we're not going to d- d- um, deny anybody their cup of tea in Ireland. We're like the second biggest drinkers of tea worldwide. Um, and that tea has a carbon footprint. But surprisingly, a lot of that footprint isn't actually from the growing of the tea and transporting it to Ireland, even though all of that, tree is, all of that tea is grown elsewhere. Most of the footprint comes down to how much we boil the kettle to make the tea. So s- simple things like the fact that most people fill the kettle to boil to make a cup of tea when they only maybe are making one cup or two um, is just wasting energy and adding to your electricity bill. So actually just putting in the kettle the water that you need sounds like a really small thing but has a massive impact on reducing the carbon footprint of that cup of tea and it saves you money at the same time. And where coffee is concerned, I see the illustrated um, just inside the cover, the, the, the old style coffee making pot, is it hexagonal or octagonal I'm not quite sure I have one of them at home Um, why are you emphasising that? 
So again, when thinking about coffee, there's lots to think about. There's the energy that goes into you brewing it at home. Um, there's where the beans come from. Are they ethically are they ethically sourced? And then it's the packaging that goes with that as well. So there has been a move in recent years towards single capsule coffee machines. They're hyper convenient. Um, but those capsules can be, if they're generic ones, can be quite difficult to be recycled. If not, they have to be put in a special recycling bag to go back to the to the manufacturer. And so sometimes just thinking about even going back to a plain old French press plunger coffee um, can often, re, you know, involve a lot less um, waste from a plastic perspective. And again, if you just boil the water you need, then you're reducing your footprint even further. Right. Now, what about things like tinfoil and cling film? I'd say most kitchens have at least one roll of each and very handy they can be too. Yeah, and what's interesting is people have been running out of things like that at the moment in the lockdown. And that's really interesting then to get you to think about, well, what's the alternative to tinfoil? And sometimes it's like so simple. So if you have leftovers and you put uh, a plate on top of a bowl or a bowl on top of a plate, hey presto, the food is covered and safe and you can put it in your fridge. And then there are so many things we can reuse to store food. Those Tupperwares that things come in might be, you know, an ice cream container. I have a drawer full of old ice cream containers that I use as Tupperwares if you like to to store food and leftovers in the fridge. Likewise, lots of food gets delivered now in really high quality Ziploc bags that aren't recyclable so we can reuse them. So there are many, many alternatives even before you get to bees wraps and all of those other things. And yeah, sometimes it's as simple as a plate and a bowl. What about the utility room and the washing machine and dryer? You're looking at electricity use but also detergents electricity, detergents and then the the microplastics that are released also from our clothes, from our synthetic clothes every time that we wash them those microplastics then end up um, in our waterways they end up in the water we drink in the beer that we drink in the fish that we eat in the vegetables that we eat so um, you know the washing machines of the future will all have filters built into them that will um, filter these microfibers out but in the meantime washing our clothes less is one of the key things that we can do um, and then drying them outdoors or on an aerer rather than the tumble dryer is again going to save you lots of money but also better for the environment. Yeah and what about uh, fabric softener you say we shouldn't use it why? Well, it's just another whole element of detergent you're putting into into our waterways. It's another chemical we're adding to the mix. I just think that that one is not really uh, essential. We do need to clean our clothes. Now, we clean them too too much. For even things like jeans, the recommendation is only to clean them once in every 10 wears. Um, but fabric softener, most likely, for most of us, don't actually need. It's not a necessity. Now, I tell you, this is one even the best, with the best will in the world, environmentalists in some cases might balk at um, moving away from the nappies in the packet. Yeah, so this, this is a tough one. But again, it, it's, again, nothing on this is telling you have to do any of these changes. They're all options and things for you to think about. So the, the reusable nappies, cloth nappies of the present day are completely different to the ones that your mum put on you, Sean, when you were a baby. They are much more user-friendly. Um, they don't have the big pins. They've got Velcro. They're quicker drying. They're a better design. They don't leak. They're actually made for the age and the size of your baby. 
Um, there are services that deliver them, that take them away and wash them if that's too much for you. They're much, much easier to use. Um, and again, for some people, maybe the first couple of weeks there's enough going on in their life and so they're using disposable nappies then and maybe once they're home and they're settled, the baby's a bit bigger, that's when they make the transition to reusable nappies. But, um, you know, it's something to try and what you can do now is you can try. A lot of the companies will let you do a trial um, for a week or two and see how you get on before you Fair make the enough. investment. Well, look, but again, it'll save you money in the end of the day. It's well, more upfront to buy them, say, but less to Won't use save me any money at this stage in life. <laughs> Too late. But anyway, maybe down the generations we'll be having conversations about it. But look, uh, what about uh, in the bedroom, the lovely warm duvet on the bed? What changes would you like to see there? So again... Um, it's just thinking about uh, your duvet. So uh, again, are, are people washing them more than they need to? Would it be just as convenient perhaps to hang it out in the line and let it get a good air at the end of the season if you're changing from a heavy duvet to a lighter duvet? Have you thought about what your duvet is made of? Um, quite a lot of them are, are synthetic, so they're, they're essentially plastics, polyesters that they're made from. Um, those don't biodegrade in time, so uh, you know they're, they're going to end up in a landfill or in an incinerator. The alternative alternative is, is a duvet made from natural materials like down or, or goose uh, or goose feathers. Again, if you're a vegan, um, that's not going to be for you. But for someone who is committed to like more natural fibres and wants those to be biodegradable and compostable over time, that's an option. And, um, and you can even get like duvets now made from recycled synthetics. So where old plastic bottles, for example, are being recycled and turned into duvet filler. Uh, women's tights are something of a bugbear with you, aren't they? Well, women's tights, you know, we all we all have them. In fact, you probably have a drawer full of them. Unfortunately, we have not yet got the technology to be able to recycle them. Um, so anything we can do to prolong their use and have less of them is a, is a good thing. You can recycle nylon. So what we need to do is get up with, get up on the technology that helps us to separate the elastane and the nylon so that we can recycle tights in the future and make new tights from them. Yeah, and just um, one or two other things uh, into the living room. room well, it could be the kitchen as well, I suppose, Tara, the TV in the corner at the moment is keeping a lot of people informed and entertained. Um, please don't tell us we should get rid of our TVs. No, no, but one simple thing you can do with your TV is, is, is not leave it on standby. So um, standby overall in the, in the EU adds about 11% onto our electricity use. So you add 11% onto your electricity bill just from having things around the house, the printer upstairs, the TV, all these things sitting on standby. It's using energy. Um, so if all you do with your TV is stop leaving it on standby, that's, that's a, a great idea. And obviously the bigger your TV, the more electricity it uses. So if you've got a bigger TV... It's got a bigger carbon footprint. Okay, well, look, we've just barely scratched the surface. How to save your planet one object at a time. Uh, As I say, there's no escaping. There's some very practical suggestions here. Uh, The book is published by... um, Simon and & Schuster, and it's, pub- it's, it's written by Dr. Tara Shine. We'll have news after these. 